Key Economic Releases Affecting Fixed Income Yields Insights into Sectors Influencing Fixed Income Securities How AAM Plans to Capitalize on These Themes for Your Fixed Income Portfolio The Portfolio Fix is a podcast series featuring members of AAM's investment and portfolio management team. We will discuss the timely issues affecting the fixed income investments of our insurance clients. Welcome to another episode of The Portfolio Fix, a podcast series from AAM. My name is Patrick McGeever, and I'm a member of AAM's investment team. Today, Marco Bravo will interpret the recently released Fed Minutes and provide the latest market expectations for Fed rate actions. And then Garrett Dungy will provide his views on the insurance industry and the takeaways from several conferences he attended recently. So with that out of the way, welcome, Marco. Thanks, Pat. So uh, we last spoke about three weeks ago uh, when you mentioned that the Fed was going to get more aggressive. Well, since that time, we've seen eye-watering moves uh, with the yields on treasuries rising 20 to 60 basis points with the belly of the curve rising most. Uh, This week, we received the Fed minutes from their March 16th meeting. Was there anything in there that you found noteworthy? Yes, there were there were two takeaways. Um, one, it appeared like the Fed officials actually wanted to raise rates uh, 50 basis points at their March meeting, uh, but then decided to only raise by 25 basis points largely due to the uncertainty that was being created by the Russia-Ukraine uh, war. <clears throat> so that was one takeaway. And the second, and probably more more importantly, and, and one that investors were looking for, uh, were details on how the Fed plans to reduce its balance sheet, uh, or otherwise known as quantitative tightening. And based on the minutes, it appears that the that the Fed plans to let up to uh, 95 billion in month per month in securities to run off. Uh, that's broken down between uh, 60 billion a month in treasuries and 35 billion a month in mortgage-backed securities. Um, and just to note, these these numbers are caps and likely to be phased in over some period of time, likely likely three months. But it's, it's worth noting that this pace is about double uh, the runoff pace that we saw the last time the Fed was reducing its balance sheet back in 2017 through 2019. Um, and it's also worth, I think it's worth noting at this point that uh, the actual runoff or the amount of of securities that are maturing or prepaying is likely to be less than these caps, um, particularly in the MBS sector. Um, it's, it's probably not likely that MBS prepayments are going to hit 35 billion per month uh, as refinance activity you know, has slowed here due to the rise in mortgage rates. And so because of this, uh, Fed officials did acknowledge that outright sales may be required at some point in time, which is um, which is definitely new. New. Okay. Um, so uh, inflation 
it's running six, seven, eight percent year over year. Uh, the labor market continues to be very robust. Initial jobless claims were at their lowest level going back more than 50 years. And, and you mentioned the 50 basis point hike. Um, and that's been talked about more and more recently. And yet investment grade corporate spreads have compressed 30 basis points since that March rate increase. The stock market is up 3% since that March rate increase. Do you think the market's response to this potential 50 basis point rate hike uh, gives the Fed the green light to do that in May? I think it does. If you look at the Fed funds futures market right now, or what's being priced in, uh, the futures market is currently pricing in eight to nine rate hikes. Uh, or 200 to 225 basis points by year end. And with only six meetings left this year, uh, that would imply a, a 50 basis points hike at either two or three of those meetings. Uh, and most recently, uh, Fed Governor Brainerd indicated that you know rate hikes could come at a more aggressive pace than, than the typical or normal 25 basis points per meeting. So it's being priced in, um, and I think that does give the or the reaction, as you mentioned, from stocks and, and credit markets. Um, we believe does give the Fed the green light to to con- be more aggressive. Okay, and and, and Brainerd, she's she was a, considered a dove, uh, correct? That is correct. Okay. Yeah. So for her to speak that way. I think certainly uh, pressured treasuries here over the past several weeks. Um, you and your colleagues sent out a weekly economic update to our clients, and this week's release had one item in particular that caught my attention. It was the decline in the ISM manufacturing index that was due to weakness in new orders and production. Uh, how do you think the recent increase in rates will impact uh, economic growth then going forward. Sure. You, you mentioned inflation uh, earlier, and that's really the, the key objective now for the Fed is to get inflation down. And if we think about inflation in, in, in today's economy, it's being driven by continued strong demand from consumers um, against uh limited supply, uh, you know, supply issue disruptions, things like things like that. Now, there's not much the Fed could do with regards to the supply side of the equation. Uh, but as they increase interest rates, uh, that could begin to hurt demand. So for example, uh, short term borrowing rates are closely tied to the Fed funds rate. Um, so as these rates rise, so will the rates on credit cards, uh, auto loan, and other consumer loans. And this could definitely cause consumer spending to slow and, and demand to drop off. With the, uh, with the rise in, in yields across the Treasury curve, we've seen mortgage rates begin to rise, which uh, should cool demand for housing. And Pat, you are correct, you know, financial conditions uh, so far really haven't tightened, but 
should financial conditions begin to to tighten, uh, that could cause companies to cut back on their capital spending and investment plans, and so further hurting overall growth in the economy. Hmm. Okay, Marco, with with your comments on uh, economic growth, there, AAM was already. Uh, more pessimistic than consensus in terms of economic growth for the upcoming year. Do you think there's a risk that the Fed might be too aggressive with their rate increases in the upcoming year? Uh, Yes, we do. Uh, In fact, the yield curve is is telling us that today. We saw the the twos, tens yield curve invert, albeit briefly last week, but historically when that part of the treasury curve has inverted during a Fed tightening cycle. Uh, the U.S. economy has uh, moved into a recession one to two years uh, after the initial inversion. So the, 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 the market is definitely telling us that the risk of recession has increased. And in fact, if we look at the three-month euro-dollar market, which is another proxy for the Fed funds rate, uh, beyond this year, uh, that market has the Fed funds rate reaching a level of 3.5%. And then in the second half of 2023, uh, it has that rate coming down, implying that the Fed will have overshot <laughs> and be forced to begin to cut rates due to the impact on the economy. Very interesting and very helpful. It's obviously going to be a volatile couple quarters here for sure, Marco. Thank you for all that information. It's very helpful. Thank you, Pat. Next up is Garrett Dungy, who's going to provide some color on recent developments in the insurance industry. So welcome, Garrett. Hey, Pat. Thanks for having me. Mm-hmm. Sure. I know you've been really busy over the past three months between annual earnings calls and conferences. I know you attended the B of A insurance conference uh, a couple weeks back, and I think the Florida Insurance Commissioner, David Elmer, was the keynote speaker. And I know you heard from nearly two dozen insurance companies, and I want to get to that in a minute. But um, first, I was hoping that we could go over uh, inflation because it's on everyone's mind. Uh, generally speaking, do the fundamentals of the insurance sector improve or deteriorate during times of inflation? Yeah, I, I would say um, those conferences definitely provide a lot of insight into uh, the current dynamics in industry and uh, definitely that the, one of the uh, questions that was on top of investors' minds uh, during those sessions with uh, insurance companies was inflation. So broadly speaking, for insurers, uh, modest inflation tends to be a positive, actually. Um, It's uh, a positive for one of their biggest uh, income statement levers, higher investment income by way of increasing investment yields. Um, to the extent that inflation continues on this rapid pace that we're seeing today, um, and that impacts economic growth, 
um, higher inflation can actually cause stress to the investment portfolios. Um, and going a bit farther, uh, looking at life insurers, they tend to be a little bit more protected um, from this modest inflation uh, that kind of the Fed expects us to eventually get to uh, compared to PNC. But uh, with PNC, uh, inflation could have a larger impact, and we're seeing that definitely play out in the sector, uh, especially uh, with personal auto. Okay. So uh, once the Fed gets its inflation under control and gets it to more of a 2% level, then the the industry can handle it better. Is that fair to say? Yes, absolutely. Okay. Um, all right. So let's tackle uh, PNC first. You had a chance to listen to 15 PNC management teams at the B of A conference. Um, what were your takeaways? What segment are you expecting to perform best next year, personal or commercial? Yeah, um, I would say throughout the meetings, it was very upbeat on the commercial uh, side of things. Uh, you know, uh, the outside of workers' compensation, the market, it's been on a hard market. Uh, meaning that they're getting rate um, and they're specking that uh, momentum to continue uh, into 2023. Um, and that's really driving a strong outlook, upbeat sediment for everyone in that, that sector. Um, you know, we're, we are seeing a moderation of rate increases. Uh, we had a peak in the third quarter of uh, 2020 um with insurance prices most recently rising 13 percent in the fourth quarter of 2021 down from 15 percent in the third quarter of 2021 um but the cumulative rate that they've gotten over the past three years has been incredible um and you know we're seeing a little bit of a slowdown just one because that, that pace is hard to, to keep up and uh, there might be a little bit of buyer fatigue uh, coming in as these insurers and brokers uh, worked with the insureds to uh, to place business and renew these uh, these policies. Um, that said, speaking to the inflation uh, that we were just talking about, that should really you know carry that rate momentum into 2023, and then in 2022 we're we're expecting another year of underlying margin. Uh, improvement and expansion um, as insurers are still getting rate ahead of this loss cost trend. So really a positive outlook, um, a lot of upbeat uh, commentary that we saw coming out of uh, the commercial side. So we expect on that to conform a little bit better than the, what we're seeing uh, play out on the personal side, especially uh, personal auto. Uh, that's been a line that's been extremely impacted by inflation. Uh, and therefore severity. Uh, the industry, you know, had one of the best underwriting years in 2020 um, as a result of those stay-at-home orders, which took uh, drivers off of the road, and that continued into the first half of 2021 as we dealt with um, different uh, waves of the, uh, the, the COVID strain. Um, and we saw then in the second half of 2021, as drivers got back on the road, the economy reopened. Uh, some that loss ratio really striking up there, and that was driven by severity. And that's been a combination of uh, supply chain pressures, 
higher vehicle part and labor costs, healthcare costs, uh, greater attorney representation, and all the other factors um, leading to uh, you know, pushing this average claim payment significantly higher um, to the point where the industry has now turned uh, to the regulators uh, to work for higher rates as they are uh, not beating uh, the, the lost cost trends that they're seeing right now. Um, I think you have used car prices up 68% since 2018. So there's just a lot of factors playing out here and uh, um, our uh, feedback um, from some of the questions that we asked uh, during the conference as this is going to take several years to play out as uh, you know, some of the regulators uh, in different states may be more receptive to what's currently happening uh, in the market. Um, uh, while others may drag their feet a little bit and, uh, you know, it might take six to 12 months for these rates to get baked into, uh, the, uh, the auto policies. Uh, so we're probably looking, uh, 2024 to where we start to see rate adequacy in this segment. Okay. So G you just talked about the cost of repairing autos. Uh, obviously there's. It seems like a never-ending number of natural disasters that are ever more costly. So, um, and of course, low interest rates. So there's, it seems like there's always challenges to this industry, and yet they are delivering strong equity returns. So what's what's behind that? Yeah, that's uh, not to mention uh, uh, among those challenges is the low rate environment. That's a uh, that's kind of plagued and really hurt the industry from a uh, profitability perspective over the past decade. Um, you know, I, th I think when you look at all these challenges, uh, you know, insurers can use that as an opportunity um, to use the capital that they've really grown over the past uh, few years. We're close to a trillion um, of capital backing uh, the insurance uh, market. Uh, to put that capital to work um, and with all of these uh, challenges uh, we've seen on commercial segment uh, at, at least that they've been able to get higher rate so uh, and, and part of uh, them getting higher rate you know i think that's you know led to a little bit of a a positive outlook from an equity perspective um, that uh, they're getting rate in excess of lost costs and it's still, uh, they, they still see it as rate accuracy. So um, as these challenges continue to grow, um, there's a multitude of issues and, and problems that may arise, but uh, as long as they continue to get rate, uh, I think uh, we should uh, remain positive on, on this sector. Okay, that's pretty interesting. Um, what do you say we switch hats here and talk life? Uh, you had the chance to listen to quite a few life companies at that conference. Why don't you talk to us briefly about what you expect for life growth rates after such a strong 2021? Yeah, the, there was a bit of a catch up uh, with, uh, I think, the economy world being shut down in 2020. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, 2021, uh, as you said, was a historic year for life across the board. Um, with life insurance premiums growing 20% um, compared to 2022, highest uh, growth since 1983. 
Um, annuities grew 16%, highest since 2008, uh, and the third highest on record. Um, and then pension risk transfers grew 42%. Uh, the funding agreement backed note market grew 62%. Um, and when we look ahead to 2022, uh, we probably won't see as strong as sales numbers as we saw last year. Uh, but given the strong fourth quarter numbers of 2021, we expect that trend to continue on 2022 to, to be another uh, good year for the life industry. Um, you know, what's been behind, I guess, this, this spike in sales um, uh, for life and annuities. Um, you know, I think the pandemic definitely created uh, a sense of uh, increased consumer awareness for financial wellness. Um, and I think the dynamic of uh, working from home, this flex hybrid environment, you know, really created uh, additional opportunities for uh, life distribution to uh, reach out and uh, connect with uh, people on, on uh, different mediums, and that's really helped out and um, uh, led to uh, increase increase awareness there. Uh, and with annuities uh, in particular, uh, we've seen a lot of market volatility uh, just over the past few years, and then inflation also uh, coming into play. Uh, and as investors look for principal protection uh, with greater investment growth. Uh, to offset that rising inflation outlook and expectations that we have. So uh, a few factors at play there. And then with PRTs, um, you're seeing a lot more interest with plan sponsors looking to offload these liabilities um, as their funded levels have improved over the last several years. So a um, lot, lot happening here in the life industry um, for, uh, you know, we haven't seen, you know, these levels of sales in years. So, um, definitely, a, definitely a positive there for when we when were looking at what happened last year. Okay. So Garrett, you mentioned annuity sales rising significantly in 2021. You know, I thought a lot of insurance companies were getting out of the annuity business. So, uh, how was that contributing to overall growth? Yeah, there's there's been a lot of headlines of the larger uh, public insurance companies looking uh, as a result of this low interest rate environment that we've been in to uh, focus uh, their efforts on something that's less capital intensive and uh, potentially uh, higher returns on equity for them. Um, but the dynamics with the annuity market uh, remain uh, uh, I would say strong with just you have this huge uh, cohort of people that are reaching the retirement age every year and there's people, sorry, there's companies that see value uh, in that uh, and, and see growth there. So we have a lot of other companies that are picking up the slack there uh, with mutual insurance companies and also uh, some of the PE back uh, insurers uh, that we've seen increasingly involved in the annuity market. So uh, the trend remains good there. We've just seen some public, large and public uh, insurers looking to focus their efforts on less capital intensive businesses. Hey Garrett, that's uh, really informative, but that's all the time we have today. Thanks a lot for all that information and for taking the time to speak with me. 
Yeah, thanks, Matt, for having me on. No problem. I also want to thank you, the listener, for taking the time to listen to our podcast. If you have any questions, please reach out to your portfolio manager or our marketing team at aamcompany.com. During our next podcast, I'll be joined by Marco and a member of our investment team to discuss a timely issue affecting the fixed income markets. Thank you.